Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. Welcome to the All That Jazz Podcast. It's your host, Matyash, and today I have with me Danielle. And this is her third time on the podcast. Wow, we're going to talk about the U.S. election results, the past U.S. election results, all the controversy surrounding it, QAnon, the mainstream media position on it. We're going to talk about Biden-Harris and the Paris Climate Accord and what it actually does. What is equity? We're going to talk about Al Gore and his inconvenient truth. And was it really truth? And we're going to talk about Biden's lack of optimism. We're going to talk about the Rona, of course, and lockdowns and their consequences for people and businesses, etc. And we're going to talk about Trump and his supposed incitement on violence and his presidency a little bit and all that jazz and much more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast. Welcome to the new episode of All That Jazz. I'm your host, Matias, and I have with me Danielle. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me again. Um, you're welcome. So, um, yeah, we were talking just before about uh, censorship. So uh, we need to be very careful when we start here. So <laughs> we want to talk about first, um, I know back in, I think it was in September when I had last had you back on and uh, we talked about... Um, our predictions and i was predicting very strongly at the time that i thought not only was trump gonna win but that they're gonna take the senate and the house and obviously that did not happen so okay what do you think happened during the election (laughs) well i would just like to say i was actually right about my prediction that they would split the senate and that they would win at least 10 houses or 10 seats in the house. So I was completely right about that. Um, well done. I think, <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, I think what really happened was there were a lot of things that they changed or set up to make sure that they would get the outcome that they wanted. Mm. You didn't think they, uh, you th- didn't think there was some funny business going on? I think there was funny business, but I also think that they, I mean, it was kind of like the states did it. So they rigged it to a certain extent, but it was more so within the bounds of how they set everything up in each state. Right. Yeah, there was a, because when I was watching, because this is, this is the thing, I made a foolish, um, now looking back, a foolish bet, because I thought for sure Trump was going to win. And I thought, you know, and then I made this bet. I'm not going to say the, the amount, but it was with uh, this lawyer in Florida. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So, <laughs> um, and it was about the election, obviously. And uh, I hadn't anticipated the way it was going to go. And, but on the night, at first I felt sick, like, because it was going the opposite direction. But then there were states that he was leading. He was leading in Georgia. He was leading um in michigan he was i think he was even leading in wisconsin at some point but then in pennsylvania and pennsylvania as well and then that stunningly just turned around um 
is that i don't know that's that seems statistically very improbable that this would happen um it is but this is what you have to take into account when i said they started changing the rules um in some of those states they sent out universal mail-in ballots so it didn't matter who you were they didn't really check who you were um they just sent you a mail ballot and so that could have been at a house where it was whoever was on the voter rolls from like 10 12 years ago yep. and maybe they lived in that house that house got sent ballots for everybody in that 12 years who might have lived in that house so you have this situation where there's so many ballots coming to this house for so many different people and if a person is not trustworthy and they go ahead and send that ballot in they then change the rules so verifying signatures and stuff like that you couldn't verify them as much as you normally would. And so it was like they set it up each step of the way to make sure they got their desired outcome. You know, and uh, during the election, I even checked that they well after actually I, that a lot of countries ban mail, mail in voting because they're not as secure. And uh, funny enough, there was a story by um, I think Amazon, which is um, which is uh, owned by a very kind of left or maybe even far left now, Bezos. And there was a vote about being in the union mm-hmm. and they forbid mail-in voting. Apparently they wanted to be, to be just in person. Um, isn't yeah. that funny? <laughs> and then their reasoning for it was because it's unsafe and unverifiable. And I'm like, exactly. That's why we shouldn't do mail-in voting at all. <laughs> yeah. I, so um, do, you, do you think Trump was right in, in fighting all the way through? Like, because uh, I thought if, if it was a quote unquote, like a George Bush type uh, or both Bushes uh, type of uh, president, they would have conceded maybe the first night and say, oh, you know, we, we trust that this was a fair election and let's just move on for the sake of the country. Not Trump. Trump fought pretty much till the end. <laughs> Yeah, I think he was right. And the only reason why is because um, what was at stake was so high. So I think just for the average American being able to see that he was willing to fight all the way to the end like that, it was good for us to see because you really saw that there was somebody who was kind of on our side that whole time. And as you can see, we now have a new president and everything that we were fighting against or holding back or said would happen has happened. So. I think he was right in his fighting all the way to the end. There's a lot of people who will be like, he should have just gave up for the good of the country. And I'm like, no, he should have kept fighting. Yeah, I mean, in, in the moment, it looks like he was, uh, it looks to some people that, that he was uh, whining, let's say. But if if uh, if what is happening to America is like the, maybe, probably the, uh, the fall of America, let's say, I hope not. But if, if, if it is the fall, then people will say, well, Trump was the, the last stand, the last hope maybe. And that vanquished. I hope, I hope to God, this is not the, the, uh, you know, uh, the point of no return. Honestly, I think we are right on the precipice of it. I really don't, I don't want to seem so like, what do they call it, black-pilled or something like that, but just the way that everything is going, it's very, I don't know how you come back from some of the things that they're trying to do. Um, I There's this book, <laughs> it's called 1900 or The Last President, and um, there's this guy 
who was the people's president. And it was supposed to be kind of like a prophetic book talking about Trump and all this. Well, in the end of that book, um, the end of the book and the end of the country ends at the Capitol building in Washington, DC. And all of the people basically of the country storm the Capitol and they're there with all of the Congress people and the last president was trying to like hold them back, which it's really weird. It, if you ever read it, um, it was written by this guy, Ingersoll Lockwood, like I think in the 1800s and um, almost everything that he basically predicted that was happening in the country happened now. So, and I'm like, maybe Trump was the last president. He was the last one that we actually voted for that wasn't chosen for us. Right. Oh, well, I've heard theories that uh, the last, uh, the last really, the president was like uh, a president like more than 120 years ago. But I don't know, there's many, ah, it, it's becomes complicated talking politics when, when there's so many um, theories and uh, what you might call conspiracy theories and all that. And there was uh, these cute people. I had one um, guest who I like, and he was, um, I don't know if you saw that there was a guest that I uh, had on and he talked about healing and stuff like that. And then he talked about QAnon, which was, a, he was a big fan. And, um, but he, they were predicting what I was hearing from them that um, they were going to uh, overturn the election, um, not overturn, but overturn the states that they're going to find fraud, that they're going to arrest people. None of that happened. And I was, yeah. I, I felt kind of um, like, because I was on the fence uh, on it, but still I felt duped for even believing a little bit. I don't know how close mm -hmm. it was to actually happening because I don't know what's happening behind the scenes, but it just seemed like, wow, this is just... Um, was a story maybe sold on Reddit or something. Yeah, I mean, the whole QAnon thing, and I feel bad for a lot of those people because they followed it like religiously. Um, it's like somebody giving you proof to your face that Jesus doesn't exist. If someone ever did that, that's what it was like to a lot of them when all of this went down. And I was just like, from the beginning, I'm like, they have predicted stuff since 2017 and not one shred of it has happened. So I don't know how you can sit there and believe that this stuff is going to happen when like it hasn't happened in the past. But I mean, they believed it. It didn't happen. And like I said, I just feel really sorry for a lot of those cute people. There's some of them, they still think it's happening now. There's a lot of the people who were uh, deciphering Q, they are still going. And I'm like, it's not happening. You are wrong. Just stop. But, <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We lost. I mean, Trump lost. And uh, whether fairly or unfairly, they, they didn't really, um, didn't we really check? There was a guy that invented some kind of a mobile thing, the scan thing. Uh, I don't know what you called the. Uh, you know, the black and white thing that you scan phones and it's like, barcodes. Uh, yeah, barcodes kind of thing. Um, it's a specific barcode that he invented for just for smartphones. And he was saying that he could uh, very quickly find out if the votes were fraudulent or real, because you can, uh, apparently you can tell if, uh, if a paper is, uh, has ever been folded or not. And the ones that have been folded were the ones that ma were mailed and obviously the ones that were never folded were never mailed so therefore yeah. they're invalid they can be discarded 
and he uh, obviously there's a way with technology to see if there's a crest in the in the paper itself but they never check none of them so i think there were people always will be looking back and 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 saying what if what if we uh we checked and maybe there's something to be said about election security in in some of the states yeah i think um what Trump came against was there's a lot of people that didn't like him. They did not want him to be president. They were going to do everything in their power to make sure he wouldn't win again. And that is on the left and on the right. Um, And he just came up against that. He came up against it in the court system. He came up against it in the state legislatures. He came up against it um, as far as governors of states go. I mean, it was just like, and I don't know if you've seen this yet, but there's a Time Magazine article where it basically says um, there was a cabal that came together to make sure the proper outcome of the election happened. And um, Basically, they told on themselves, they told you exactly what they did. And they have been doing it since I think 2019 at the end of the year. And so they basically, that's what he came up against. I mean, and as far as election security and all that stuff goes, um, I don't think anybody's going to try and fix anything. Uh, the precedent has been set now. So this will probably be how elections go going forward. I know after this one, I was almost like, I don't even know if I want to vote anymore because it's not real. They're going to pick who they want or they're going to make sure the person that they want is the one who gets installed. So it's just one of those things. It's like, I don't know if America's going to make it. But I, there, there's been, uh, I know some people that have been uh, telling me, me that, that, uh, you know, the president is a puppet, that you don't really elect him, that uh, um, that they elect him or the, the Illuminati or whatever. But here it was just like so apparent, like there's a lot more stuff coming to the surface. And my hope is that maybe because of this, what happened, that the more stuff will come to the surface and maybe some people that were involved will come forward uh, sometime and be like, hey, you know, I, um, I participated in this and I feel guilty and, <laughs> and I need to, need to tell the public. I think this is possible, like it's entirely possible that in the future there might be, because, uh, uh, you know, uh, a lot of these corrupt companies even like, uh, it goes for a while, even the Me Too movement, which had, I think, went too far, but uh, some of it was legitimate. And the stuff eventually comes to the surface. And that's, I think that's my ultimate hope that this happens, I guess. I guess I don't see it happening anytime soon. <laughs> Probably, maybe like when Joe Biden gets removed as president because he's incapacitated or everyone realizes that he's not mentally capable to handle the job and Kamala Harris takes over, maybe then they'll say something. But as of right now, they're not going to say anything. Yeah, the, the problem with that is that um, she, I think she might be worse. Oh, I, I'm positive she's worse, like probably like 10 times worse. Yeah, the, I think comparing, uh, this is the sad thing, comparing uh, Biden, Harris and Clinton, Hillary Clinton, I think out of those three, Hillary Clinton was probably the best because she, she yeah. was at least smart. Yeah. Biden isn't smart, neither is Kamala. And Kamala is the ideology is more, political ideology is more poisonous than Biden just goes along, whatever they tell him. He's just like, he's, he's gone at this point, I think.
Yeah, it's crazy because I was talking to my mom about that recently. I was like, you know, it's really scary when you think that you probably would prefer Hillary Clinton <laughs> to be your president. I'm like, this is this is insane. <laughs> I never thought I would ever say something like that. It's gotten so bad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about uh, climate change. This is uh, one of the really big um, uh talking points and and focuses of, of the left particularly the far left which i would venture to say controls uh, a lot of the biden presidency now because he just goes along with whatever they tell him or whatever kamala puts on his table she's like i want to i want to do this and he's like all right <laughs> <laughs> so why do you think it's bad to to rejoin the the um uh, the paris uh, climate accord Okay, give me just a minute because I have to grab these. Okay. So I have taken detailed notes on this Paris Climate Accord. I have read every single page. Oh, and wow. some of it I have read twice. I have highlighted everything. So I have gone over this thing. I mean, I don't know. It's been probably like two weeks going over this. So this Paris Accord, um, the number one thing, and I think this is the probably the biggest reason why everyone should be against it, is it doesn't actually do anything to help the environment. Um, I think we can all agree on the left and on the right that you don't want the environment to be destroyed. Right. We have to live here. We want to take care of where we live. Um, but this does absolutely nothing. It doesn't offer any suggestions on how to help the environment or any of that. The second thing you'll notice about this is it's a... It's like an equity statement and an equity, um, I guess, goal for the world. So it doesn't right. have anything to do with the environment and it focuses on equity. What, uh, okay, a lot of people um, have misconceptions about equity because equity in principle, it sounds nice, but actually what what is equity? So equity is, okay, I'll do it in terms of this. So equality is you have 10 people, you treat all 10 the exact same. Mm. Um, equity is you have 10 people, but you treat them differently based off of what you feel is fair or what you feel they need to, I guess, kind of maybe put them on the same level. Um, so equity is basically like spreading. It's like this whole Marxist thing, okay? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like taking from this person, giving to this person what you feel like they need or what they need. And then this person doesn't need as much because they have more resources. It's basically that. That's what equity is. Right. It's basically punishing the the most. But in this case, uh, the rationale is punishing the, the, the country that pollutes the most. And they would punish probably America more, even though I think China probably, because they have more people, they probably pollute more at this point. I'm not sure, but. Yeah, so under this, some of these countries that are like more developed, like China, they consider them still like developing countries. So basically every country that is developed, so you get like the UK, the United States, Australia, Canada, um, they will be taking from them. And that was one of the things that was very clear. Nothing else is really that clear in here except equity and the fact that if your country is developed, you're gonna be giving your money to everyone else. Right. This is, uh, okay, to simplify this, let's say uh, we're in a classroom and, uh, uh, and I'm getting better grades than you. So therefore, um, 
uh, or they should put some more, they should take some of the credits from me and give it to you because that would be equity, like uh, forcibly or, or make it maybe make me do some of the work for you so that yes. we're more equal. So they, do you have a fair shake because you, you, because you may, or other people may be having trouble. So therefore I need to do more. <laughs> yes, basically. Um, so there's one example in here that's specific. They talk about technology to help with saving the environment. So the more wealthy countries need to do the research and they need to develop the technologies and then they need to share that technology. But in sharing it, they need to pay for other countries that are developing to actually get and implement that technology. So yeah, it's basically what you said. All right, so, so they need to pay for the development and pay for the other countries to implement it mm -hmm. and not profit from it at all. Exactly. How does that make sense? It's, it's like it's like uh, Microsoft developing the uh, the Windows and, and then paying paying other uh, like poorer countries to to uh, to use it and not make any money off of it. Like, that exactly. would bank bankrupt the the company. I mean, it wouldn't be nearly as good as as it is now. Um, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Oh, but why do you think? Uh, okay, so I think this. This goes back to the basic premise uh, that climate change causes global warming and that's going to destroy the world. Okay, so one of the terms they use in here, and I don't think a lot of people know this, so I've done so much research on this, right. it's anthropogenic uh, climate change. So basically what that means is that they believe that people are the reason that the world is warming and or cooling. Um, and so that's what this kind of focuses on mostly is that it starts from the premise that we're the ones causing the change in temperature. Um, and I thought about, I've thought about this long and hard. Um, before people were like big on this planet, they know that the planet was heating and cooling. And so I'm not so sure that we're not just going through another heating or cooling cycle. And I also think that just maybe we're overestimating our actual what's the word, our actual impact on the planet. I mean, it's so big. I think we've only explored like 64% of the actual planet. So, I mean, in all actual possibility, we might not even be causing it. Right. Well, let, let me play Let me play devil's advocate here. They would say that 93% or more than that, uh, the scientists are are in, green, are in agreement that this is, a, this is a fact and in fact, some some people say, "Oh, the science agrees." There's a scientific consensus. So, aren't you a, a, a like a science denier by denying that we have a significant role in changing the environment? I believe that in some areas we yeah. have a specific role in changing the environment. So, where we've built like these giant concrete cities, it's probably going to be warmer because the concrete holds on to heat. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll give you that, but. Science also believed that the world was flat. Science also believed that everything else revolved around the earth. So we don't know until we know. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and, and some people like uh, the NBA player Kyrie Irving still says the earth is flat. So, you know, because he's famous, we have to believe him, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you see, um, what's happening is that the, the scientists that, that, talk about that, that try to challenge um, 
the uh, the mainstream narrative and but they get trying they get shut down and there's no money pouring into that so so it seems like it's been politicized the climate science itself like a lot of areas that we're going to talk about later are being politicized mm -hmm. and that's another problem how are you going to be objective if if the person that's paying you is paying you just to look at this area and this result and if you get anything else you know this is when we don't care yeah i mean you don't have like the you, you don't build the willpower to actually go out and find the answers because i was sitting here and i'm reading through this thing and i'm like okay so how are we measuring what's actually happened what is the like actual data or what are the formulas for how you figure out if we have more carbon in our atmosphere now as opposed to uh 200 years ago so that's why I'm like, I really would just like someone to give me all of the data so I can actually look at it and decide for myself. But when you do that, I, like I've looked everywhere, it's very hard to find any of this information. It's almost like they don't want you to look at it for yourself or to find it. Right. Uh, in school, I remember even uh, more than 10 years ago, uh, there was a teacher, uh, geography, I think, and she continuously was saying, you should watch um, Inconvenient Truth, Inconvenient Truth and all these things. And then these people, um, like Al Gore and also um, John Kerry, who recently flew, flew in with a private jet to, to collect his, uh, his Nobel Prize, I guess, I guess for peace. I don't know what, what he got it for. It's, it's irrelevant, these, these Nobel Prize, because uh, uh, Al Gore got it as well. And God knows he didn't do anything. So <laughs> <laughs> why are these people like, why isn't Al Gore living in more of a simple cave environment rather than in a big house because they don't believe it it's just it's a i want to say it's a grift it's not really a grift it's just a way to make money they say they agree with this they're going to pay me to come and talk they're going to pay me to millions of dollars to narrate so i'm going to go ahead i'm going to say this and all i have to do is just agree with them and it doesn't cost you anything to be wrong either because um the inconvenient truth, they were talking about how New York City would be underwater within like 10 to 20 years and all of that stuff. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, so they did the inconvenient truth too. And he uses a hurricane to prove that New York would be underwater. And I'm like, no, it wasn't underwater. It's called a surge from a hurricane, which is a storm. <laughs> like, Wait, so inconvenient truth came out, I think 2006 and he said in 10 years or 20 yeah. years. Yeah, this, is gonna pass. this is going to pass in five years. <laughs> His prediction is going to be entirely false. Um, one of the things when President Trump first got elected, and this was when he was pulling out of the Paris Accord, um, they were like, this is ridiculous. We have 10 years left. So um, Joe Biden just gets elected. I'm listening to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's like, we have eight years left and i'm like okay so what's the timeline here because i feel like you guys are like missing years or you're just changing it to whatever you feel like is the answer to get what you want at the moment okay let's follow her logic if it's true that we have eight years left doesn't that mean that we have to stop like pretty much all activity on earth like stop all cars destroy all factories and just go back to living in caves in order to stop this impending doom that's uh, that's upon us. Yeah, I mean, basically, um, I was listening to Greta Thunberg, 
Um, and she was talking about it and she was like, what we're doing is not enough. And I remember when the coronavirus just started happening and we basically like shut down every country across the world and carbon emissions from the cities went all the way down. And I'm like, okay, so nobody's driving, nobody's out doing anything. So we should have seen like some type of big change, right? We didn't really see anything except the fact that people are about to go hungry because we didn't have people to ship and send food or to pick food. Um, our supply chains are down. This is why they can't get enough of the vaccine in the EU and everything because everything's been shut down for so long. And I'm like, <clears throat> I just, I don't agree with anything of what they're saying. That's all right. I'm saying. That's it. It seems like a too big of a price to pay. Even if you say, let's say um, we're going to invest all that money into solar or or wind uh, energy and, uh, and uh, like water energy and stuff, it still doesn't seem to be enough. Like the, you need oil, oil and, and coal are, are like, uh, and, and like natural gas are like mm -hmm. huge resources for energy. Otherwise people would, people would die without it. I, I don't think th these people realize how they're benefiting from the whole system they're criticizing and want to uh, entirely change like they want to like the thing about it is it seems like it seems like some of it is is good intentions but the good gooderism is just like we want the change we want now no matter what the cost like why are you going you want to destroy everything to build it up in order to save like five percent of um you know the emissions or whatever it is yeah, I think a lot of them don't actually understand the science. And I will say, like, we don't have the technology to do half of the things that they want. Um, even with solar power, people, I don't know if you heard the stories, but over the summer in California, they would just shut off the electricity to large portions of cities and states because they needed to conserve what they had. And the reason why is because there's a big portion of their power that's just solar energy and it doesn't bring in enough. Like we don't have the technology to make that our main source of energy. What I will say is if we can do it, great, please, let's do it. I'm all for it. But without that technology being there, there's no way we can just continue living in a civil society uh, without those without fossil fuels at the moment. Right. It, it does seem that um, California is the, what if California is like the, the, um, the example of what America is going to be in, in four years? I actually think that is their goal. Um, they want us all to be California. And that's why I'm just sitting here and I'm like, I can't believe Joe Biden is sitting in the White House at this moment because you can already see it. he uh, suspended all permits for drilling in and fracking on any federal lands, uh, all leases and all that stuff. He stopped the Keystone Pipeline, um, which actually will help us with emissions. You won't have them shipping stuff uh, through trains, which use coal, electricity, or natural gas. Um, and, but apparently to them, I guess that's not important. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and also it's going to a lot of jobs have been lost because of that that project is not going forward and but but that project i think has been hampered by because of the canadian uh, trudeau the prime minister in canada because he's objections to the completing the pipeline there so 
now you have objections on both sides. So God knows when that's going to be completed. <laughs> you know what's actually interesting? Um, the Canadian government is actually trying to sue the U.S. Um, really? for Joe Biden stopping the construction on the pipeline. Because even though Justin Trudeau might say a lot of stuff, um, that is the lifeblood of their country, getting their oil and different things like that in and out of their country. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, I kind of hope they win because <laughs> um, this is it's just ridiculous. I mean, this will be thousands of jobs and no one's even thinking about just the cities that will make money um, because people are in those cities working on the pipeline or um, in the state of New Mexico, they voted, I think like 54% for Joe Biden and he stops the Keystone pipeline. They make almost all of their money for their schools um, off of the oil and different things that come through the pipelines in their area. Um, we even had some of the Native American, um, what do they call them, reservations. And um, they were even like, this is how we support our community by the oil that they pull off of our land. So it's a lot of people that are like, I can't believe he did this. So we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> but this seems to be the motto with the, with the left or the far left, like any cost to, to achieve our objective is justified. No matter if, if ordinary people lose their job because it's for the good, it's for the good they're losing their job. You see, you're just not understanding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do say this. It's actually very dystopian to like hear them. I don't know, just the way that they just say it, no nonchalant, so nonchalantly. And I'm sitting there and I was thinking about one of the guys who worked on the Keystone Pipeline. He was like, I just bought this new truck. I'm going to have to sell my truck. I won't be able to pay my mortgage on my house next month. He was like, and I voted for Joe Biden. And I was sitting here and I'm thinking, he told you exactly what he was going to do. He said it numerous times. And I guess you just didn't believe him. It's really sad. Like what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, going back to Joe Biden, it, it's the other day he said that uh, it was like a small gain in jobs, like a very small gain. And Joe Biden is just like nonchalantly, yeah, I think at this rate, the recovery is going to take 10 years. And this to me is reminiscent of like a, a Jimmy Carter kind of pessimism, you know, uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, Donald Trump and his... Um, his uh, power of positive thinking, which infuses everything like, oh, I think uh, this is going to be best, the best, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. But I think this is going great, you know, always infusing optimism. And then on the flip side, you have uh, Biden saying, yeah, you know, it's going to take 10 years or more, you know, it's going to be it's going to be very tough. I'm like, geez, thank, thank you for the uh, for the thumbs up, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, he he's really depressing, actually. Uh, my mom and I, we do the politics thing together. We'll watch like all the conventions and all that stuff. And um, we were just talking about the Democrat convention versus the Republican convention um, that happened over the summer before the election. And there was such a stark difference uh, between the views. One was of hope. And the other one, of course, the Joe Biden side, they were like, this is it, this country is racist, it's the worst place in the world, um, this is terrible, COVID's gonna kill your mom, it's gonna kill your grandma. And I'm just like, you just suck all of the life, the ingenuity, the hope, the want to do better out of people by just saying that over and over again. Yeah. 
yeah, you brought up another thing that we're dealing with, COVID. Um, yes. The response of the, uh, I think Florida and, and, and a few other states, maybe in North or South Dakota uh, and a few others South are, Dakota. yeah, are, are, are the only ones that are like pretty much open for business mostly. I think now they're starting to open because they don't have, I think Trump was a big thing that they wanted, they wanted to shut down the economy there to, because um, economy is basically this, okay, maybe this is, sounds a bit cynical, but I think they wanted to shut down everything partly because this hurts Trump. Economy is his biggest um, achievement. So I think it was very convenient for them to get the virus. Uh, the, I mean, not maybe it's synchronicity or maybe it was planned. I don't know. But uh, it seemed to me that the draconian measures they took was specifically to hurt the economy they didn't care if people lost their jobs because this eventually would mean less votes for trump Do you yeah i think that? you're right i uh i definitely agree with you uh there were numerous big name liberals who said um from 2017 2018 and even in the beginning of 2019 that um they wish the economy the economy would tank um, because that's the only thing keeping Trump in office. And I, I'm going to try and be careful. I don't want you to get in trouble on YouTube for this. <laughs> um, but I feel like the COVID virus was real, but I don't think we needed to take the extreme measures that so many of them took. I mean, we watched China do it. They were like welding people into their homes so they couldn't get out. Those people just died. But we didn't need to like keep our people in our country locked up like that. The whole point of a lockdown, especially when there's like a virus or something like that, um, is because you want to stop the small amount of the virus that's in your population. But at the time, people have been coming back and forth probably since October with the virus to America. So the chances of it being like small enough that a lockdown would work were very small. It was probably millions upon millions of people mm -hmm. in America who already had the virus. So um, it just seemed unnecessary. And the reason that they did it was probably just to maximize economic pain. Um, so people will be like, well, Trump's terrible. Look at what he's done. And that's exactly what happened because people are so easily suggestible. Yeah. They, and now even, I think even in California, they, they're opening things up, even though I think the numbers are still, um, still not where, um, they're not at zero, obviously. If it was Trump in, they would not, they would still keep it closed because they're like, they're not zero. But now that it's Biden, they're like, oh, let's let's start opening up a little bit. <laughs> well, in California, the governor is opening up, but he's doing it for a specific reason. Um, he has a recall effort coming against him right now. And they've got over a million people across the state that have been signing up and signing for this uh, petition to recall him as governor. Um, I think the last Republican governor they had of California was a result of a recall. Um, that was Arnold Schwarzenegger. So um, my guess would be that he's actually opening up only because of that. Um, but then you do have some people like uh, Governor Cuomo of New York, um, where he, it was like, I want to say maybe a week after the election or after Joe Biden was sworn into office, he said, well, we're going to have to open up or else we won't have anything to open up to. And I was just sitting there thinking, President Trump said this in April of 2020. 
And you guys were like, no, we're closing everything down. Um, so his issue is he killed off tons of people in nursing homes by sending people with COVID-19 to the nursing homes. Um, I mean, his state attorney general even came out and they were like, I think they probably uh, reported 50% uh, less of the amount of people that actually died in nursing homes from the actions that he actually took. So I think they're opening up, but it's more just so to cover their backsides so they don't get, you know, I guess thrown out politically for what they've done. Yeah, I mean, they can get away with anything as long as the, the media that's, um, uh, the liberal media covers them favorably. If at some point they would, they would, start, they would start to turn on them, the, the liberal media, uh, which is unlikely, but if they did, they're very, uh, they would be very susceptible to that. They could never endure what Trump endured. They don't have the spine for that. <laughs> yeah, no, none of them do. I mean, Joe Biden doesn't. They aren't even asking him hard questions and they're freaking out about the questions. Um, you now, as a press uh, reporter, they want you to submit your questions to them before you're actually there and ask the questions. And I'm like, if Trump did that, they would say that he was the worst fascist. He actually is literally Hitler. And they would have tried to impeach him again just for asking people to submit questions. And Joe Biden does it and it's like, oh, well, this is great. They should do that. And I'm like, <laughs> you guys, this is just, it's not even worth saying that this is a double standard anymore. No one cares. We all know it. And they're just, it's ridiculous. That's really what all of this is. <laughs> Talking about the double standard, I remember uh, about a year or so into Trump presidency, they wanted uh, a test of his mental faculties and all that. Here you go, Biden. <laughs> test Biden. <laughs> no one's going to ask him because we all know. We've watched him on television numerous times. We all know. And it's actually been, he's been messed up for a long time. I remember. <laughs> when uh, Obama was running for his second term and Joe Biden was out campaigning. And I remember he's like, I don't know, the guy's messed up, okay? His brain's always been a little off, but now it's it's more so noticeable, just like watching him speak. And you're like, he's really like a feeble old man. He shouldn't be in office. Um, my guess is they're gonna try and keep him in there for about two years because um, anybody who's president, they can stay in office for 10 years. So my guess is they'll try and keep him for two years boot him from office, have Kamala Harris uh, take his last two years, and then she can still run twice for the presidency after that. Re really? She can, uh, even though she served two years, she can run, uh, she can run twice? Yes, sir. Okay. Oh, wow. That's uh, very uh, convenient for her then, but uh, <laughs> I think, uh, I think she's entirely unelectable, but, but this is just my view. Then, then election comes and Biden gets elected. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Like, okay, um, okay, but the numbers back to the election. I think Trump got like 11 more, 11 million more votes than he did four years ago, and he still lost. And that's that's a bit suspicious in itself, ain't it? <laughs> yeah, um, it's actually very suspicious, but like I said, I don't want you to get kicked off of YouTube, right. so right. <laughs> I won't say how suspicious I think it is, but right. let's just say the powers that be made sure the desired outcome, the proper outcome happened. 
Um, so uh, another big issue that people care about is taxes. So you already mentioned uh, that he, should, he did he rejoin already the Paris Accord basically. Um, I think it may take 30 days from okay. sending notification that they want to rejoin for them to join just from what I've seen on here. I know it takes 30 days to leave. Um, right. They have to submit a letter and all that, but I think it may take 30 days to rejoin. So there's going to be tax for the, the equity tax, I guess there, there might be <laughs> the climate change tax for that. And uh, they want to do uh, Medicare for all. They want to do more uh, food vouchers, I guess. They want to do more uh, housing, more fair housing, I guess. Um, they want to do a lot of, they want to do uh, free um, uh, kindergartens. They want to do free, uh, they want to forgive the, the college loans. I mean, the, that's trillions and trillions of dollars right there. I'm not going to lie at this point, it doesn't really matter because like our money is going to be worth nothing in the next five years anyways, just because of everything we've been printing um, because of coronavirus. And this is the thing we just passed a coronavirus bill in December. They are already talking about doing another one. And I'm like, look, I get it. People need help, but the best help you can give them is to open up the country and let them go back to work. Um, any businesses that may have actually shut because of what you did to them. Okay, let's see if we can get them reopened. But this, we can't keep spending money like this. But I mean, this is what I said in the beginning. Like, this is what I said, like back in March or April. And by some liberal friends, uh, I was living in, in Scotland at the time on Facebook. Some, one of them called me a, a sociopath for wanting people to <laughs> die, basically. And this is the kind of discourse you get, basically. Yeah. At the time, I cared about his opinion. Now I don't care anymore. But uh, <laughs> but you see, this is the kind of pushback you get from people. Like uh, if you don't agree with the with the liberal narrative, you, you must be wanting people to die. But but they don't see the logic that you actually. Uh, I think there was a story from Japan that I think last month more people died of suicide than the whole entire last year of COVID in Japan. That's yeah. horrendous. It's crazy. Um, but it's been like that everywhere. So I don't know if it's been like that in the UK, but I know here in America, in every state, um, we've seen more suicides than ever before. Um, so we had an issue with like the opioid epidemic and we were kind of like just starting to like get a hold of it and bring down the rates of people dying from drug overdoses. Well, they lock everything down for coronavirus all of those people who may have been going out and were just getting back on their feet from being addicted, now you're stuck at home with all of your thoughts, all those little demons telling you, I need this, I need that. And so again, you get the opioid addiction again. Then you have people who are alcoholics. All you can do is sit at home and drink. Then you have to sit and think about your thoughts and sit with yourself. And there we go. Uh, the suicide rate just shoots up again. I know here in Ohio, we have one of the higher suicide rates in the country. Um, they think a lot of it is because uh, most of the year, like I think it's something crazy, like six to nine months out of the year, we don't really get that much sunshine. Mm -hmm. And so uh, people just are dreary and sad sometimes. And so our suicide rate has gone up tremendously. I mean, it's, it's insane what's ha been happening. Uh, well, here and uh, where I am in Slovenia, there's a curfew between 9 p.m. and I think uh, 7 or 8 a.m. 
um, myself, I don't go out much except to the store once a week, but it's not a good thing. Cause I'm like, I don't want to go out because I think that there's a law that you have to, a kind of law that you have to go, uh, have to wear a mask if you're outside. Now I see that a lot of people lately, especially in the last few weeks have not been wearing a mask outside, but still, I just don't like the, you know, that possibility that you might get a fa uh, fine of like a hundred or 200 euros or whatever it is. I just don't like that. And I think, unfortunately, I think America is also going into that direction. Yeah. Um, so part of the new president, what a lot of people are calling him the installed president. Part of what he wants to do is um, force masks. Um, so on any federal property, he wants there to be a mass mandate. So you have to wear a mask on federal property, which, okay, he has the jurisdiction to do that. But on any type of transit, any type of public transit, all of that, he wants you to have a mask on as well. Um, and honestly, it kind of seems like they're trying to force us all to just wear them all the time. Um, so we'll probably be there very soon. I just read a news article the other day and they're talking about possibly the federal government coming in to enforce people wearing masks all the time. And I'm just like, you really just, we have a constitution and I know we have ripped up half of it, but like, you can't tell a state what to do. You also can't send federal people into the state for no reason because they don't want to wear masks. But Honestly, nothing would surprise me at this point. We have our entire capital locked down. Everything's fenced off. You can't just go and visit like we normally would because how dare you normal peons come to their area. I right. mean, it's just, it's insane what's going on right now. It's funny that uh, I think the day when when the, when he signed the executive order that you have to wear a mask on, on federal property, there was him celebrating on federal property without mask with his entire family. And then they asked the spokesperson, I don't forget her name, but she's, she's horrendous. The yeah, circle sorry. back one. <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah, I'm going to circle back on that one. Um, it just like rules for, for thee, but not for me, you know, that kind of um, you see consistently the, the kind of, I don't like to say it's a kind of a cliche, but the liberal hypocrisy of trying to impose rules, but they themselves don't always follow or conveniently like not follow and they want everybody to follow. Yeah, I don't I don't think they actually believe this stuff like they probably believe the exact same thing that we believe that. Yeah, it's a virus, but like if you get it, you get it, you'll live I mean, it's like a 99% survival rate. So they're not really worried about it. But the problem is they like to control. And this is a very good, it was an extremely good, like, what did you say before? It was like synchronicity. Yeah. Um, it was just like the a number of things that came together. And it was like, it all lined up. And it was like, wow, like, we could really like take over and control everything in this moment. And so that's what they're trying to do for everything. They just want to control your life. They want to control what you do. They want to control what you enjoy, what you spend your money on. Um, that's really what it is. Control. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, that comes to censorship as well, because there's, um, I thought when, uh, you know, it basically the one uh, January 6th, uh, we're going to, yeah, we're going to talk about what happened, but also, they then they banned Trump because of what happened on Capitol Hill, you know, 
like he incited the violence. He didn't incite the violence. He didn't, he, he, he told people to be peaceful. And then the mainstream media went out and said he incited the violence and everybody ran with it. Yeah, um, the probably the most criminal thing about that is um, you almost cannot find his speech anywhere. Um, what you find is, um, yeah, like I think there's only like maybe one or two places you can still find it online. Um, so you might have to go, like, I think NBC might have it up, um, but there's only a few places that actually have the speech up so you can see it for yourself. Um, I was actually at work that day, so I was actually listening to the speech and I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, he's kind of like, he's droning on. This is probably one of the more boring speeches that he's ever given. And um, his tone was not like his normal, like fiery, yeah. defiant self. You could tell it was more like a- um, He was tired. He was yeah, tired. Yeah, and I think he knew what was gonna happen. He knew yeah. this wasn't gonna go through. It was more like a I'm pleading my last case and a goodbye as well. Right. And um, I fully think that he was planning that after they did their voting and all of that stuff, that he would just come out with his speech and basically, um, not necessarily concede, but say that Joe Biden was going to take over. Um, but you, it was like, again, it was just a confluence of things that came together. And I think there was way too many people that were upset and irritated. Um, Vice President Mike Pence, um, at the end of President Trump's speech, he sends out this tweet because I'm sitting in my office and I get their tweets. He sends out this tweet and he basically says, I'm not doing anything. You can't do anything. And I'm not going to help out at all with this election, which is fine if you're not going to do it. OK, but did you need to do it right at the second where he's like finishing up his speech? So it was probably like 10 minutes till he was finished speaking. And then that's what he sends out on a tweet. I'm like, one, it's like super disrespectful, but like you couldn't wait until like later. Yeah, yeah. that's the, um, okay. I know uh, I've read several uh, Trump books uh, last year and uh, I know for a fact, for, for better or worse, loyalty is one of the big values that, that Trump holds and uh for everybody to betray him uh, over time, like his lawyer Cohen back, you know, and not not the original Cohen, but there's a guy called Roy Cohen that was uh, his big uh, influence back in the day. But the the uh, the Cohen that was in uh, I forget his name, but his last name was also Cohen, and uh, he threw him under the bus by recording his conversations and several other people, uh, John Bolton. Uh, and then finally, at the end, um, uh, his uh, vice president, um, Mike Pence. And this is, uh, wow, like, he's been attacked, like, no, like, a lot more than George Bush, like, 20 times as much, like, every day. And, and the last day where he could have, where, where Mike Pence could have done something, he, he chose not to, and he chose... I mean, maybe on principle, Mike Pence thought this is because uh, Mike Pence is one of those people that would have conceded the first day. He would just be like, yeah, yes. this is a fair election. Yes. Done. So he went yeah. along with Trump for about a good two months, I guess. And then he's like, I'm not playing this anymore. Actually, um, I don't think he did. I 
I was reading some accounts from a few people um, that are kind of like, they know what's going on in the White House and stuff like that. They said, I think it was like a week after the election, uh, Mike Pence kind of just checked out. Like he was like, yeah, whatever. Okay. Um, and I think that goes back to Mike Pence is a company man. So it didn't matter what was going to happen. He was going to stick with the swamp. He's an establishment figure. He always has been. Um, I like to tell people you don't end up the governor of any of our states without being kind of like well connected with the party leadership. Um, so Mike Pence, he was just one of those guys. He's a party man. He was going to go along with what they wanted when they wanted it. And I think there was so many of them, they just did not like Donald Trump. They did not like how he was going about doing things or anything like that. But I will say while he was vice president, I don't think he did anything to undermine Trump. It was just once he lost that election, it was like, I mean, we're done. Like, I don't really have to like, you know, sit here and go along with you anymore. Yeah, he's like, I'm not going to destroy my my future, he thought for this because I don't really believe that there was I don't think it I don't think Pence really believed as much that there was fraud or he couldn't see it maybe yeah um, there's a lot of people I don't think they see it because they just don't like Trump um and I think that's where we have a lot like a big problem so on one side, you have people who can kind of look at both sides and be like, okay, well, there's some stuff that is off. We should probably look into this. Um, let's not, you know, make all these big proclamations. Let's just stop, look at what's going on, and then we can move forward from there. But then you have people that are like, no, it's this way. This is the only way it's going to be. And uh, and I think a lot of them are like, no, this is what it was. This is how it is. Get lost. Like, and I think that's how many of the people in the Republican establishment and the Democrat establishment are, because they did the same thing to Bernie Sanders. I mean, they didn't care. They just like tossed that guy. <laughs> they cheated Bernie Sanders, I yes. think, four years yes. ago. Um, all right, let's talk about the, um, oh yeah, back to the, the capital, actually, uh, the capital thing. Do you think there was, um, so you don't think there was an intentional, um, um overthrow of government by trump like like the media came out with they were like oh trump is inciting this he's doing this this horrible thing like he's a uh, he's a mussolini or something that's how the media made him out to be yeah no there wasn't anything like that because and this is what these people are forgetting and I don't even know if they're forgetting it. I think they're just trying to frame this in a way that it seems bigger than it actually is trump is the head of government and he wasn't the one overthrowing himself. So it didn't make sense. It's like, what government is he overthrowing? Like, it, it just, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, Congress people can be replaced. They're still gonna vote the way that they're gonna vote. I mean, it's not, they're not the head of government. And I think that's what a lot of people were forgetting. Um, but I guess more so than that, I think it really was just, a, you wanted to frame it in a way that made it seem worse than it was. Um, they forget that from May all the way until October, actually, even now, we're still having these crazy protests across our country where they are still destroying and burning stuff. You had whole areas that they claim these uh, autonomous zones in our country where they couldn't come in. They literally burned down tons of areas in our capital just this summer. 
And I'm like, so you get one day where they bust windows and go into the Capitol building. And now they're domestic terrorists. I was watching a lady on the news, MSNBC, um, talking about how we should probably start looking into droning American citizens. And I'm like, <laughs> that is 74 million people that you're talking about in America. These are American citizens whose only crime is they don't agree with you on politics. And they just, we really had to like bring the temperature down. It's just getting way too high. Right. And it's just, it's too much right now. And the thing is uh, like uh, liberal uh, people can do anything. They can loot, burn or whatever. But uh, yeah. I think uh, unfortunately for conservatives uh, because they attacked the Capitol building, therefore they, they, the spin they can take is not just they attacked a government building and in Phoenix or whatever. No, it's, it's, it's the Capitol building in Congress. I think that's what makes it worse and that they can spin the story. Um, I wish there would more, there would be more people um, uh, within the group that would be, that would be against it. But I think the zeitgeist of the time of January 6th was such that it was seen as such an injustice. Um, and like we're talking about, like the, the obvious, uh, there was, this seemed to be obvious fraud or something wrong, let's say that we should have maybe looked into in, in five or six states that they didn't, um, that people were, some people were just angry and there was enough people, like obviously America is huge. So out of the 320 million people, you're gonna find at least a thousand people that are really pissed off about uh, seeming fraud. That doesn't yeah. mean that all of them are, that all Trump supporters are bad. <laughs> you know? Yeah, one of the things that we're allowed to do based under our constitution is to uh, petition our government for redress of grievances. And um, we tried that every step of the way. So people went to their state legislatures, they went to their governors, they went to their secretaries of state. Um, we went through the court system all the way from local courts all the way to the Supreme Court. And it was like, it didn't matter where you went. There was no one willing to actually look at the case and give you an answer based off of the merits of the case. So um, a lot of people are like, well, they tried like a hundred plus cases and got turned down every time. No, a lot of the cases that these people, the judges actually threw out, they threw out for standing. They said, well, you weren't injured. Or um, in some cases, like in Pennsylvania, they said it was latches. Um, so basically they're saying that you brought the case too late. Um, when some people tried to bring the case earlier, you brought this case too early. So there wasn't actually any time that they actually sat down and listened to the actual evidence and the actual constitutional arguments based right. off of these different cases. So there was no redress of grievances. And so it's kind of one of those things like there were so many steps before this where you could have stopped the, the sixth. January 6th from happening and nobody cared nobody wanted to do it and now because you wouldn't listen to these people because you wouldn't even just give them the time of day now they do this but it's because they're upset and it's all because all you had to do was your job as the government um one of the cases Texas um was suing the was it I think Michigan Wisconsin Pennsylvania and Georgia 
And they sued them because Texas followed the election rules. They did everything set out in the constitution and then everything set out by their state constitutions, Mm -hmm. but these other states didn't. And so they went to the Supreme Court, which the Supreme Court is supposed to hear any uh, suits or cases brought between states and they would not hear the case. And it's like, you could have stopped it right there or better yet, you could have stopped all of this by when people asked to go back to work back in March, you could have just let everyone go back to work in March because now you have all of these people, they've lost their businesses, they've lost their homes. And now you just took away what they knew of their country and any hope they had for maybe recouping anything that they've lost during this whole coronavirus by removing Trump from office. So what do you think they're gonna do? There's no out. Like you gave them no reason to hold it back at all anymore. And the tragic thing about the, the Texas lawsuit, which I thought was promising because like 20 states jumped on it and said that they, they're claiming as well. I think that's what it's called. Um, and joined the lawsuit, uh, 20 other states. Uh, and then the only judges that were willing to hear it were uh, Alito and Clarence Thomas, my favorite yes. judge, Supreme Court judge. And the ironically again for trump the three judges that the the three supreme judges that he appointed barrett uh kavanaugh and gorsuch they all declined and they all uh, this is just again i I mean betrayal betrayal (laughs) yeah yeah i mean that was definitely sad (laughs) right it really was i I mean, it's true that the Supreme Court uh, judges, once they, they end, they, they have no loyalty to anybody. But usually, I think at that moment, juncture in, uh, in the history of America, I think they, like, no matter what people thought of them, they're already in. They have, like, they, they're in for life. They have tenure or whatever. They, they're lifetime appoint, appointees, so they could... They could have stuck their net out, neck out for the country and actually investigated the, you know, that one or a few states that the, the lawsuit signified, but they chose not to. That's just, I, I knew that. I, I, I was kind of uh, hoping that Barrett would be, um, be great, but uh, now I'm not so hopeful anymore. Anyway, I'm, I don't want to end on a bad note, <laughs> but, but, it's, but it sounds like you're not too hopeful about America. No, um, my plan going forward is just to focus on my state and where I live locally, um, because that's the only way we can stop any of this stuff from happening. From happening. Um, I was thinking back to our Revolutionary War here in America. Um, most of the defense came from the local areas um, when they would fight and go out and fight the British on their own. And they were the ones, they're the reason why we have America right now because they protected their area, they protected their cities, they protected their land. And at this point, our government is the enemy. <laughs> Politically, so, they're the enemy. <laughs> so you're, uh, you're loading up, you're, you're stocking up the, uh, your, your weapon arsenal, okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Another, uh, lastly, the, the last subject that's, I think, maybe the most important one is, okay, twofold. Uh, the new states that they're planning to get in and the border, the weakening of the border, which is an- another huge thing. So um, let's go start with the border first. So all the progress that Trump's made um, 
gone. They're going to stop uh, finishing the border. They're going to stop the deal with Mexico that actually impelled Mexico to put troops on their border with not only with the United States, but but uh, the country that they border in the south. So the people would go less pass through illegally. But now that's all stopped. Yeah, um, so they have already started the catch and release again. So basically, we catch them on our border, we take their names, give them a day to come back to court, and let them go inside of our country. And 99% never show up for the 98% yeah. never show up for the court date. Yeah, I mean, they're smart. I wouldn't show up either. <laughs> like, I mean, who would show up? They're going to send you back. But yeah, it's um. It's kind of sad because I feel like we made a lot of progress, progress, and it's not just the border. Um, Joe Biden is trying to increase like over 125% the amount of refugees that we take in. And then uh, we had like rules on the books where if you were a state and you didn't want to take them, you didn't have to. Um, so he's actually changed that as well. So we don't know that the federal government is going to be dropping off refugees in our states, cities, or your neighborhoods anymore. So you have no right to tell them no, take them and put them somewhere else anymore. So it's immigration on a whole scale. And his goal is to uh, get them all amnesty. So within the next, I think he said five 10 years or something like that is to have them now citizens where they can vote in our elections here. Right. So if I go and so if I go to America now and just prance around and just never uh, just overstay my visa, the, you know, Biden administration is going to find a way to let me stay. No. Um, so you have to come in illegally first. That's how you have to do it. And then we'll let you stay. <laughs> oh, it's like, so, okay. The, so the catch is if you come in legally, then it's harder <laughs> to stay. But if you come yes. in illegally, you're fine. Yeah, pretty much. Th this is the absurd world that we live in. Right now. <laughs> but the thing is that to me, it seems like that America, if, if this continues, is not, um, is, is on, on the brink of not being America what it used to be anymore. I mean, it's not what it yeah. used to be in the 50s anyway or 60s but or even 80s but i'm um, just really uh concerned about america but um all right um the last thing that they want to put the nail in the coffin against conservative is uh is thinking about extending uh, not extending but um adding more uh, more states yes um so they're talking about adding washington dc as a state which based off of our constitution, it is a district, it can never be a state. But as we can see, they have used the constitution as toilet paper, so they're not worried about that. Well, but wait, they but, but the judges can rule against it though, right? They can throw it out, they can... Uh... I mean, I'm not so sure they would. Yeah, I honestly, because if you look at our Supreme Court justices, um, Neil Gorsuch, he has voted to basically make transgenderism a protected class in this country. So say you have like a school or something like that, you're maybe like a Christian-based school, you get a teacher, the teacher decides they're transgender, you don't want them teaching at your school, you can't fire them because they're a transgender now, because that's a protected class. So I mean, he's done that. Um, in Oklahoma, they basically said that large portions of, I think it was it's either Eastern or Western Oklahoma is under the jurisdiction of the Native Americans that are there. And they voted that in the Supreme Court. And I'm like, okay, 
I get what you're saying. This was made over a hundred plus years ago. This is an agreement. And now you're basically just turning over land of the state to a native American tribe. And I'm like, I'm not trying to be mean. Like I said, I will never say anything bad about the native Americans, but you don't know how these judges are going to come down on anything at this point. Um, they probably will say, oh, well, this is what they really meant in the constitution. So <laughs> yeah, sure. DC can be a state. Right, like at this point, only I only trust Alito and Clarence Thomas, yes. and the rest are um, who knows. <laughs> I mean, Robertson is uh, wow. Well, I I I I pretty much very much disliked this guy ever since the, the Obamacare ruling years ago, and he's been uh, he's been getting worse ever since. I don't know yeah. if they paid him off or or he, he's just like uh, he's one of those iffy guys. They just want to appear neutral, and so he he does these weird decisions. It's just weird. I think, um, and this is what I noticed uh, when the court started to lean more conservative, he started voting more with the left on the court. And so I'm almost wondering if it's more he feels like his job as the the, the head justice, the chief justice to maybe even out the court. And so I was also wondering about that. That's why I'm like, I, I don't know. He's been making a lot of weird decisions for a while now. Yeah, now now that we talked about this, I think uh, I think Trump made some uh, fatal errors. Um, so Mike Pence uh, obviously was not. I mean, he would he would have imagined imagine Rudy Giuliani vice president. Oh God, so, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that would should have been. I mean, I mean, it would have not looked pretty, but but he would have been a better better choice, I think. And looking back now, and also uh, the judges that he appointed, none of them are as solid as Clarence Thomas. And he had the votes uh, all the three times. And the thing is, you have to remember, any anything, he, anybody he would propose, they would try to slaughter them anyway in the media. Uh, with Barrett, they couldn't do much. That's true. But, um, but I think uh, Trump could have... Um, could have gone for the Hail Mary and 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 appointed uh, three other justices that would be almost like Clarence Thomas. I'd have loved to see that. <laughs> yeah, no, it would have been amazing. But the issue was um, the people that he got the list from, they are very much, they're party people. Like this is the Republican party. These are your options to choose from. They'll support what we want. Um, and so, that was the list that he started with of people to choose from for the Supreme Court. And I think that that was a giant misstep um, when he took that list from them. He should have compiled his own list of people that he personally talked to or thought would be good um, Supreme Court justices. Um, but again, a lot of these people are party people. Um, if you, who is it, Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, um, it's a number of them. They worked with uh, George W. Bush on his case when he uh, beat Al Gore back in 2000. Yeah. Um, so these people, they've been in the circuit for a long time. They've been around. They know who they are. Um, and that's why they ended up where they are right now. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. These judges are good, but they're not the best. Yeah. So I think Trump missed out by not getting the best judges. And that hurt him. I mean, if he had three, uh, 
like really, really solid judges that this, you know, somebody that uh, Thomas Sowell would, would approve very much, like a Bork <laughs> or something. Yeah. Then it would be a lot different story. Um, but hence, um, it is what it is. I, I think it was a interesting four years, and but who knows what will happen? I think uh, things can come to the forefront. Like I said, I, I'm hopeful for that. I don't want to get too depressed. I think. Uh, uh, I'm a believer in destiny in a way like uh, it's God created this. So it's by design. Uh, I don't know. Do you know, a, a, um, there's a prayer card, uh, serenity prayer. It goes something like this. It's uh, it says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah, so because like a lot of things in life we cannot change. So, um, so it's like you said, you're starting local and you're protecting yourself. And, yeah, uh, that's what I've been telling everyone because I here in Ohio, as you know, we voted heavily for President Trump. That's black, white, Hispanic, everybody. So I know people in my job that are lifelong Democrats hate Donald Trump, and we're like, I'm voting for him today. So our state, we voted for it. So I have a lot of people who come through my office and they're like, hey, he, do you think he's going to win? Or, and then afterwards they were like, oh my God, I'm so depressed. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, listen, you got to focus on your family. You got to make yourself better. You need to get in shape because once they start putting us all in concentration camps, we're going to have to figure out how to get out of there. So I'm like, you need to get in shape. You need to take care of your family and you need to focus on your local area because that's going to be the only place where you're going to be able to make a big difference. So just focus on yourself, focus on your family Hold and your on. home. You said concentration camps. You really <laughs> think that's going to happen for people that refuse to wear masks or... Yeah, they talked about deep brainwashing people, like, you know, trying to, you know, uh, is that what you mean? Yeah, um, they've mentioned it numerous times. Um, I was watching, this is like actual media. I'm on MSNBC, I'm listening to these people and they're like, well, the issue now becomes how do we re-educate these Trump support. I'm like the oh 74 gosh. million Americans. What are you talking about? Um, they're talking about FEMA camps that we have, uh, possibly removing children from their parents. And like, this is all stuff that's going on in the news. It just kind of like goes right under the radar because nobody's really paying attention to it. But I mean, it's it's in the realm of possibility. They've been mentioning it for a while now. <laughs> but that that's like uh, communist China, uh, you know, tools. That's what they do in China. No, you're wrong. That's not what they do in China, actually. Um, that is not what happens. You're just wrong. And you can ask people <laughs> and you'll say, but I actually thought, no, that's actually not what's happening. <laughs> they, so they, they would deny it. Like all the, yeah. the, the Muslims in China, they're, they're getting a fair shake and they're not, they're not yeah. getting imprisoned at all or brainwashed. Yeah, pretty much. They're, no, that's, that's not what's happening. They're uh, teaching them job skills. That's oh yeah all oh, right they're teaching them jobs of course all right <laughs> um uh, okay let, let us finish with the state so uh you said washington dc might become a state and uh what else puerto rico puerto rico is it's a territory of the u.s currently it is in the caribbean and um puerto rico is probably if they make that a state, it is probably one of the worst decisions that could possibly be made in 
the history of America. I'm not trying to be mean, Why? but like their debt to GDP ratio is insane. Um, I'm not trying to, you know, just like just put them down, but it would be one of the worst decisions uh, that we've ever made. I think honestly, we need to cut Puerto Rico loose, let them be their own country. Um, people who have passports now, yes, you're still an American citizen, you can still come back and forth, but going forward, any kids born from a certain date, you are now a Puerto Rican citizen, you guys need to come up with your own stuff, we're just gonna, you know, we'll set you up, here's a few billion, and we're gonna part ways, because it's, it's insane. I'm like, it's crazy. Puerto Rico does not need to be a state. And I say that as a person with friends that are Puerto Ricans, they, I love them. They are like some of the most passionate, kind and loving people that I've ever known in my life. But Puerto Rico does not need to be a state. Right. Simple as that. And, and the thing about Washington DC and Puerto Rico, especially Washington DC, they vote 90% Democrats. So it's be yes. solid Democrat. Um, electoral votes right there. Yes, we, and this is the other thing. I feel bad almost for the Republicans, but they're really idiots. They're doing this to themselves. They don't understand that the people who voted for President Trump don't actually like Republicans. And so they think that they built this whole new coalition, but there is no coalition without Donald Trump. People don't trust you, they trust him. And I was sitting here and I'm thinking the other day because I'm listening to Mitch McConnell talk. I'm like, dude, I'm still waiting on the repealing and the replacing of Obamacare. Um, you guys were supposed to lower taxes. I mean, like there's a whole list of stuff y'all are supposed to do. I mean, we're still dealing with this immigration issue because they couldn't sit down and actually just put an immigration bill together. They refuse to. So I'm just sitting here and I'm like, you guys are in for the shock of your lives because I think the Democrats might actually be able to push some of this stuff through. And then if they do, if they put like the, if they weaken the border, if they, uh, if they accept one or two more states, then it's, uh, I think the end of America is near, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a wrap. That's it. <laughs> so what? Ah, uh, is it okay? Is there anything positive you you have to say? <laughs> um, I will say that the coronavirus has let a lot of people spend time with their families, and that's been really good. Um, my neighbors, they're usually in and out all the time. I can't count all the times that they've all been out with their whole family for barbecues. Um, we'll go out and we go walking or biking. Um, and it's a whole family together and they're out walking, biking, we're out yeah. on the trails. Um, so in all of that, I think people have gotten a little bit closer to family. So that is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Family. Uh, and I think also, even though the election might've not, uh, showed, I think a lot of people, uh, became, uh, more aware about the world and about their spirituality or became even religious, discovered people like um, Jordan Peterson, uh, people like that during the, the last year uh, because they spent so much time uh, by themselves at home or with their family. Um, I think there's some good things that have uh, come out of that, but again, it's, wow. It, it's tough to be optimistic, but I'm just, uh, uh, I'm just thinking maybe this is all by, by God's design. If this was made uh, to be a perfect world, it would be, so. Yeah, uh, one other good thing, um, all of those QAnon people, 
um, I think they are all waking up now, a lot of them, because what QA9 did was it kept you in your house and thinking that somebody else was going to take care of whatever the problem was for you. So it's really good that now they understand, like, you got to get out. You have to take care of your family. You got to do this. There's no big person in the background taking care of this for you. So that is also another good thing. I think a lot of people have become a lot more self-reliant and actually getting out there and taking care of stuff for themselves. Yeah, I think self-reliance, that's the, that's the bedrock of America right there. So if yes. people if people become self-reliant and self-educated, um, like my favorite philosopher, Eric Hoffer, like if, if there's more of that, because um, I think we live in incredible times, you can, you can get, uh, uh, you know, a college education just by reading in the library, basically, like, uh, it's an amazing time. And sometimes we forget that among all the confusion that's happening and uh, the news and social media. Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, I can't remember who it was I was listening to, but they said that um, this is the time of great promise, of the greatest promise in the history of the world, but also the time of the greatest disappointment in the history of the world. And I mean, it really is, it's like a confluence of both things. Yeah, I hope, I hope it's, it's going to work all for the good, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm going to, we're going to end up here. Um ended here i think uh this has been a very interesting discussion i hope uh okay last thing what's your prediction for this year for, for, for what happens uh to america and or the world i think um the world is going to realize that they miss donald trump more than anything else and i also think that Joe Biden, I give him six months to two years and he's gone. Like he's, he's not going to finish this term. <laughs> and I am probably leaning a little bit more towards the one year mark and he'll be gone. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anything else that I think is probably going to happen? I think we're going to actually have a couple of issues with some of the states and the federal government's overreach. So you'll probably have an issue with Texas in the federal government and maybe like one or two of the Western states. I think going into the next election, the Republican Party is going to find that they actually don't have the support that they think they have. Um, is there anything else I think is going to happen this year? Um, what, coronavirus what might disappear. What about North but, Korea? Oh, I have I have no thoughts on North Korea at all. Honestly, China might actually try to take over Taiwan this year. That oh. is a real possibility. See, during Trump's uh, reign, that they would never even attempt that. But now, yeah. uh, I think uh, Biden talks uh, talks a big game, but actually, he's very weak. I don't even know if he talks a big game. He just like says words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not convinced that he even knows what he's saying half the time. Somebody writes it for him, he repeats it. That's what we got. Uh, he he's like carry carry a feeble stick and and uh and have no backup whatsoever no back it up yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean honestly i wouldn't be surprised if china makes some big moves this year and that's mostly because like joe biden just even in his like first i think week he signed some executive order because we had like a rule in place keeping china from having any dealings in our infrastructure as far as electricity goes 
and he repealed like he removed that with an executive order and it doesn't make sense like there's no reason to do that but he did so we'll see what china does to us coming up here <laughs> well lastly i would say um they, there's a thing and they use it in place i'm just looking it up now it's called deus ex machina which means that um it's a plot device that's uh where God intervenes and makes the, the impossible possible. So I think, you know, with God, it's so everything's possible. So hopefully the, there will be some positive changes that happen. I think, uh, like you said, self-reliance is important, but I think uh, prayer and, and getting close to God is also important because that uh, unseen, I think that uh, changes the world for the better. So if you are a better loving person and, and better to your family and all that that's going to influence everything around you yeah i think you're absolutely right so at least we found some positive for the end yes. of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> um thank you again for being on the podcast it's been a pleasure thank you for having me and thank you everybody for watching listening